Hi, I'm Dr. Daniel Golshevsky, paediatrician and father of three. Welcome to my summer series of Dr. Golly and the Experts. Guys, Happy New Year to you all. I hope you're well and truly relaxing into your summer holidays. I hope you've been able to spend some quality time with loved ones and that you're looking forward to what 2024 has in store for you. This week's handpicked episode features fitness instructor extraordinaire Tiffany Hall. Here, Tiff and I delve into a syndrome that her daughter Veda had after she was born called plagiocephaly. In simple terms, it means flat head. I loved this chat as it is a condition that is very close to my heart. To kick it off, I start by asking what Veda is up to today. Okay, she's 13 months. She's toddling around. She's walking and she's just pulling the house apart emptying every drawer she can get her hands on. Um, She's just beautiful, just gorgeous. And having that gorgeous girl energy after having a boy is just so fun. Different? Yeah, different. I found it different. Uh, Arnold wasn't really into much. He'd just sort of sit there. He wasn't as curious. She's very curious and... They're so different boys and girls, aren't they? Mischievous. Yeah. It's the best. It's the best. Now, the topic that we are talking about is plagiocephaly, mm-hmm. which is a fancy way of saying uh, funny-shaped head, yes. which is extremely common. And just for a little bit of background, um, in the 80s, a lot of people have heard of SIDS. Um, mm-hmm. They launched a campaign called Back to Sleep, mm-hmm. which did absolute wonders in terms of almost eradicating sudden infant death syndrome associated with newborns who were slept on their tummies. We were probably slept on our tummies when we were young. So this has been one of the most phenomenal achievements in terms of um, infant mortality, but it came with two side effects. The first one being colic. So babies are far less settled when they're slept on their backs. And we then have to deal with that as a problem. And the second one is plagiocephaly, because if you spend a lot of time lying on your back, especially if you Um, predominantly look in one direction or straight up, then you can get a flat head because a baby's head is very plastic and moldable and malleable. So talk to me about Vader. When uh, did you first notice that her head shape was not symmetric? How did that come about? I noticed pretty early on, she was about three months and she was in a little baby bath and, you know, you sort of hold them up and you're bathing them and she'd have wet hair. And I could really notice then that half her head was sort of on a slant and it just was so flat. And I was struggling at the time with my breastfeeding and she wasn't putting on weight. And so I was seeing the maternal health nurse every week for weigh-ins. And every week I was saying, okay, we've got to get the feeding on track. So we were introducing top-ups with formula and I was, it was a very emotional time with the feeding. Feeding's so hard. But every week I was saying to the maternal health nurse, her head's flat. Looks really flat to me. And they're like, ah, oh, it's fine. She'll grow into her head. You She'll know, grow into yeah, her head. More tummy time. And I'm like, I do the tummy time. I'm, I'm doing the tummy time. I am rotating her head, you know, making sure that she's sleeping on both sides of her head. I'm doing those things. My mum gut, something was wrong. It just wasn't sitting right. And I had a friend who was a midwife and I sent a photo of her head to her and I'm like, it looks really flat, doesn't it? And she said, yes, let, let's get a second opinion. Let's. And this was getting worse. Yeah, yeah, it was. So I went to Ortho Kids mm-hmm. 
And I thought, I'll get her head scanned. She was so cute. They sit her up in a little bumbo and they scan her head. It's quite an amazing it's machine. so cute. It is, it is incredible. My daughter had that. Yes. Um, she had the, a different cause of funny head shape. Yes. Um, but the machine that they use at the children's hospital, mm. it's like a phone booth. Yes. With about 20,000 cameras, like the most wow. absurd piece of machinery. And in like half a second, you just get this 3D reconstruction. Yes. And then all the kids have come along and they've got like, it looks like a speed gun. Speed gun, yes. And they spin them on a chair. Yes, they spin them around. It's amazing. And they love they, it. Yes, and you get the 3D image. It's amazing. And it popped up on the screen and I just burst into tears because I could see just how flat it was. And on the cranial index, asymmetrical index. The score they use. Yeah, the score they use to tell you how flat the head is. She was a nine, so it was severe. And did did she have a lot of hair? She did. That's when most parents will pick it up when they're in the bath and the hair sticks to the head. Or when they're having a scan and they specifically cover the hair in like a little beanie. Yeah. So it becomes very obvious. Yeah. It's interesting because it's most marked when you look from bird's eye view, which is an angle you never look at your children. You never really look. Uh, Yeah, unless it was in the bath and I got Ed to take that, a photo of from above and that's when I could really see something was wrong. But still maternal health nurses were still saying to me, no, 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 just leave it. They'll grow out of it. And I... I, I wasn't, well, I should have gone to a pediatrician. I just didn't know what to do in that instance. And so ortho kids were really great. We decided to do helmet therapy, the cranial remodeling. And at the time, I was really nervous about that because I share my kids on social media, not their faces, but they're part of my life. Absolutely. And I just didn't know what the reaction would be seeing my little one in a helmet and I had never really seen many kids in helmets, even though it's very common. Mm. Is it one in four or? It's extremely common. Yeah, it's it's extremely common. So we decided to do that and um, she was about four months, which was the perfect time because uh, as you would know much more about it than I do, but it's when the head plates are soft Mm. and they can, you know, remodel it a lot easier than... Then yeah. later on, and they did explain it gets tougher about eight or nine months. So I was really happy that I had listened to my mum gut and I was like, yes, we're well, going to do this. Let's delve into that a bit more before yeah. we touch on the actual treatment, the helmet. It's extremely common that you, as you said, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm looking at. And you get reassurance from the healthcare professional, mm-hmm. but it doesn't reconcile. No. And you, you're being told in one ear, it's absolutely fine. And you, you don't have much of a reason to not take that advice or to disagree. And then you've got this mum gut, mm. which in my opinion is never wrong. Yes. Never, ever, ever yeah. wrong. I will always, always listen mm. when a mother or father says they think something's wrong. Mm-hmm. How do you reconcile those two? Oh, it is so difficult. And I felt so guilty. I felt so guilty that I hadn't acted on it earlier. You know? That you hadn't been her advocate yeah. earlier. Yeah. I was really upset with myself. And there was a lot going on with, you know, the feeding and the the sleeping and the the siblings dynamic and having a second child dynamic. 
But I just was like, oh, maybe it will sort itself out. That's well, one thing that could sort itself out. Totally. And you're getting this information, as you said, you're, you're so sleep deprived. Mm. Your hormones are wild. You're still recovering physically mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and throw into that breastfeeding challenges. Yes. What was the challenge? Was she not feeding? She was a very sleepy baby and she wasn't feeding voraciously. So my supply wasn't, you know, supply and demand. She just, mm. it, my supply was just dropping and um, she just wasn't interested. I breastfed my son for over a year and I just expected it to be easy, natural, the most natural, easy thing in the world. And with Vader, it was so hard. So I was having to like wake her up in between feeds or she would sort of just refuse. Um, and then we were topping her up with formula to try and get her weight to be satisfactory. But then, of course, that was like, how do I protect my supply? So I'm pumping yeah, all the time. So difficult. And how do you get the right balance between top-ups and not affecting your supply? Mm. And it got to a point where, you know, at five months, I was like, I'm sorry, but the breastfeeding journey for us is over. It was too stressful. It just was dropping. I couldn't maintain it. I was on motilium. I was doing everything I could. I was power pumping. (sighs) But breastfeeding was becoming my life. (laughs) Mm. And I was just, it was just not practical. So at five months, I decided to switch to the formula. So I was carrying a lot of guilt with Vader because... I felt guilty that I hadn't succeeded with the breastfeeding like I had with Arnold. And then I felt guilty that I hadn't initiated, you know, the helmet therapy earlier with Vader. And it just all felt yucky. Like I just felt like I was failing with her. Oh, so, just, if there's one thing that yeah. gets me, it's it's mother's guilt. Yes. It just blows my mind. There's so much of it. Mm-hmm. I haven't spoken about this before. So it's very, yeah, it's... And I was just very uh, ashamed. I was, and it's so silly, ashamed of having bottles out in public. And I just felt like I had failed her, you know, because I couldn't breastfeed. When it's like I had exclusively breastfed my son, I had, and then Vader was a mix of bottle and breastfed until five months. And like it fed his best, but yet mm. I just still felt guilty. Tell me about Ed. Mm. How was he in supporting you through specifically that challenge of feeding? He was fantastic. It was beautiful because he could give a bottle mm. and he could experience that for the first time because I was breastfeeding exclusively with Arnold. He never he, had the chance. He had no, mm. no idea of the feeding. So he loved giving a bottle and having that moment with Vader. He just loved it to the point where he was like, you know what, for your mental health, I think that we should perhaps switch to the bottle feeding because he could see how hard the pumping was and how much it was to the detriment of my mental health. Mm. So he said, you know, let's, let's, it's okay. And having that permission, like it's okay. You're doing a good job to switch to bottles um, was did that, beautiful. Did that help to it lower did. your guilt? It did. It did. And he's right into the kids. Yeah. Like he is you know, nappy changes and bottles and he's so into it. He loves it. He thrives on it. So So you told me when you had your, um, you had that scan, the 3D Mm. scan, Mm -hmm. you saw the image, you burst into tears. Mm. Was Ed with you? He wasn't with me for that scan uh, because I think in a way I was like, I'll just pop it, I'll just pop down 
to, you know, have the scan. It won't be a big deal. It's probably know. fine. Yeah. You know. And you'd been told it'll be fine. It'll yeah. Be fine. He was at work. Don't stress. It'll be fine. Like, we're just going to check it out. Mm. And I honestly didn't expect it to be severe. I just thought it would work itself out. And babies' heads are odd shapes and they are soft. And, you know, we had been working on rolling her and changing mm. her head position. And we were doing it like every half hour, like, because, and they, I heard this really great analogy that the, the head is like a, a flat basketball. So if it's got a flat spot and you roll a flat basketball, it's always going to land on the flat spot. Correct. And so she had like that flat head. So she's always going to move her head. It. Yeah. And she kept moving her head back to the flat spot because so it was are comfy. You, are you now disturbing your own sleep? Yes. To get up to reposition her? Yes, because that's what the maternal health nurse said to do. Every 20 to 30 minutes, wake up and reposition the baby. You're not sleeping. No. And... Just it, to add another problem It just to wasn't your... practical. And then I was thinking, I will do it. I will do whatever it takes for my child. But then I was like, I, there, there must be a better way. So that's why I went to speak to an expert about it and to say, is there another way other than me rolling her? Because she's just rolling back. She's that basketball, mm. that flat basketball. And when you conveyed that to Ed, mm -hmm. how did he take that? Yeah, he, he agreed. He said, let's get some expert advice. So was you know? he just very much, this is like um, fix-it mode? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, very much so. And he was a little concerned about her being out in public in, in the helmet and what the public would think. And he was like, don't put her on Instagram. Don't mm. show her. But I'm like, it's very hard because I run a digital business and... It's part of your life. Part of my life. Mm. And the kids, she was at a stage where she wasn't sitting up. So she's on me all the time. Mm -hmm. So in all photos, I've got a little baby and I, I, I'm careful not to show their faces. But, you know, I, I was... You could see the helmet. You can't hide it. You can't hide the pink yeah. helmet. We chose pink. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know. She was just... She was a legend through it, you know, but... um. Yeah, it was just it was just a tough thing to decide to do it. But what made me make that decision was it was starting to affect the scan show that was starting to affect her facial features. Mm. So she had a flat spot on her forehead and her eye was a little bit flatter like so it was affecting her symmetry. Yeah. And I thought I know it's cosmetic, but she may want to shave her head one day. She may you know, we might as well just round it out and I didn't want it to get worse and affect her facial features mm. any more than what it had. Yeah. So some, yeah, that's right. Some kids with that degree of plagiocephaly, um, the best way to think of it you, you, is almost like cutting an orange in half. Mm -hmm. And if you move it, it's hard to explain yes. in audio, but if you move the back part, that has got to go somewhere. So it shifts as a hemisphere. And so if the back right is squashed, the front right moves forward Yes. to compensate. And when you look at these kids front on, their eyes look mm. that they're at a different level. The ears, one ear might push forward. Yes, her ears she were out of alignment. Yeah. And I'll often get kids referred to me um, from 
the community where the parents or GP wonder if there might be a syndrome that hasn't been mm. diagnosed, the child doesn't look right, they look what we call dysmorphic, and then you look from bird's eye view and you see, no, 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 it's just purely head shape. And when you correct the head shape, the symmetry returns mm. perfectly. Mm-hmm. So talking about plagiocephaly, um, the most common cause is just simply lying on your back facing one direction. Mm-hmm. And babies will sometimes uh, look towards their mother, for example, or might look towards the window or something. So I always recommend families to move that bassinet around the room, uh, put the baby's head up that end, next sleep up that end, just keep shifting. Mm. It also gives the child um, the ability to move. So if you want to go away on holiday or, or change their bedroom, they're used to moving. I mean, I always want babies on dad's side of the bed. That's a different story. Yeah. But um, it's the key to keep things moving and mm. changing. But I don't want you disturbing your sleep to yeah, do okay. it. Now, a very common thing is something called torticollis. Was that discussed with you about Vader? I'm not sure. So that's a tight neck. Oh, yes. Yeah. Did she have that? No, she didn't. She didn't. So that is where, um, you know, babies in the last few weeks of pregnancy are squashed in a very tight space and they might be squashed with their head to the side, for example. Now, if you sleep one night with your head like that, you'll wake up in the morning and this will be the most comfortable position for you to adopt. And then it will be, you know, a bit uncomfortable, but over a few hours you'll stretch and become symmetric again. If you think about, you know, two months like that, Mm. these babies come out and that is their resting position, tilted to the side or looking to the side, whatever it may be. But a really common thing that I hear, um, obviously wasn't in your case, but I think it's important to talk about is the link with breastfeeding. Now, I will very, very frequently see a family where mum says to me, uh, my right breast doesn't work that well. And I look at the baby and instantly I know exactly what's going on. And what blows my mind is the first instinct from a mother, the problem must be me. Right. Oh, it's my breast. Yeah. As opposed to you know, the problem's actually the baby's mm. neck. It's not your breast. And the issue that that baby had in that example is that when the baby feeds on the mother's left breast, mm. the baby looks to their right. So when you flip them to the other side, if the baby can't look left, they can't feed on mum's right side. So there are different positions we can do in addition to stretching the neck and fixing that. We can then, you know, have the football grip where we basically make the baby convince they're feeding on two left breasts when it's really repositioning them. But I just want to touch on that thing because it's so common in this podcast, mother's guilt, mother's something's not right with me. It's Mm. my fault. And it's just wrong, wrong, wrong. Yeah. I did take it all on when it was, when I wasn't, well, I almost said when I wasn't feeding Vader correctly, when it wasn't working, it was my fault. Mm. When it was really her, she wasn't wanting, she wasn't suckling strong enough to create that supply. And you know, it's a team effort. Correct. Takes two to tango. <laughs> yeah. And and more often than not, the issue is with the baby. Mm. Not that it's an issue. It's just no. it doesn't always work. It just didn't work. And as you said, fed is best. Yeah. That's, yes. I mean, we could yeah, talk for hours about That's that That's another topic. podcast. Let's fast forward now mm-hmm. to um, the helmet. Mm. Okay. We'll talk a lot about helmets because this is a very, very big topic mm-hmm. um, for those parents out there who are dealing with this particular issue, um, the helmet is designed. Well, explain. What what was told to you about why helmets work and why we use them? Well, it was explained to me that the helmet was designed with space in it where her head was flat Mm -hmm. so that her head would grow into that space. 
And luckily, shortly after she was fitted for the helmet, she had a growth spurt and she grew into that space a little bit. So we were only in the helmet for about four or five months. And it's because of this big growth spurt that she did have. So it was tight where the head was beautifully rounded and spacious where the head was flat. So grow into it. And it was, we had to really watch pressure points Mm. with her and temperature, making sure she wasn't getting too hot. Tell me about the smell. And and yeah, the smell. (laughs) That's the most common thing I hear. Yes, and we had lots of um, inserts. You could change the inserts of the helmet. Because so they get could, very sweaty. Yeah, it could stay fresh. Yep. And it was summertime when Ooh. she was in it. Um, this was over January, so um, Jan and Feb. And so it was – we really did have to manage that. But um, she, was, she wasn't uncomfortable and she didn't complain. She didn't notice it at all. Um, breaking her into the helmet was a bit – confronting because Mm. at first it was a couple of hours and then you build on that to about six hours and then it's 24 hours of wear and just thinking oh wow she's in it all the time and we only take it off to bathe her that it was very confronting but um so she wasn't pulling at it or you know rubbing her head trying to get it off no not at all not at all she was very comfortable in it and I think that's the way it should be it should be fitted so it is snug Mm. but comfortable I was always fiddling with it, making sure is it on straight, is it comfortable, is it in the correct position, but she wasn't fussed at all. Mm. So you you were originally trying to move her head to the side, so that's to try to Mm -hmm. put pressure on the opposite side to allow Mm -hmm. the flat spot to Mm -hmm. open, and the helmet does that 24-7. Yes. Um, Talk to me about the emotional aspect to the helmet, because it clearly didn't bother Vader. No. But how much did it bother you and how much did it bother Ed? In the beginning, it bothered us a lot because, you know, you want your children to be perfect. You feel like you want them to be perfect. And then all of a sudden, she's wearing something that's signaling to the world, I'm not perfect or, you know, there is an issue and people don't understand and they they don't mean anything by it, but they ask odd questions. Or What were some of the questions you got? Yeah, like what's wrong with your daughter or why aren't you showing her face on social media? Is it because she's deformed in some way because she's wearing a helmet? Or So you copped backlash yeah. from people saying that you were ashamed of her? Mm, mm. But I, I hadn't shown my kids' faces on Instagram mm. for a long time because we had some icky stuff happened when I used to show Arnold on Instagram. Mm. And I did show him for years. And then icky stuff started to happen and I thought, I'm going to pull their faces off Instagram. What happened with Arnold? Well, I had a bit of a stalker situation. That was one thing. And then the police rang us one day and there had been an incident where they were looking for someone um, and we had been in a Lego shop and this person had posted on their Facebook that they'd seen Ed Cavalli and his son in the Lego shop and that had alerted police that um, of their whereabouts and they had rung us to get the time that we were in the Lego shop for CCTV and all of that sort of stuff. And this person was very sought after without saying why and it just gave me the icks. Mm. It was like this person knows my son been looking around for him, is on the dark web talking about it. Mm. And 
I just thought it's better if people don't know his face. And also he was getting recognised. We would be we would be at the shops or we'd go to a children's birthday party or and the host of the birthday party or the, the facility would be like, Arnold Cavalli. And it would freak Arnold out, these strangers. Wow. So I didn't want Arnold being recognised. It's okay for Ed and I. We choose that. Yeah, adults, your yeah. choice, as you said. But Arnold was uncomfortable with it. Mm. So, and he's at school now and I just wanted to pull him off because he was on it all the time. Yeah. So now I don't show their faces. And since Vader was born, it was like, well, why aren't you showing her? And people would ask me all the time, and I still haven't talked about it until this day, just to protect their privacy and and their consent. And maybe one day they'll say, hey, I'm really comfy with you taking photos and putting it out there, and maybe I'll change my tune. But I, I feel like I made a mistake because I can speak from experience in having Arnold out there for five years, mm. you know, um, and I feel feel bad about that. And and so you made this decision when Vader arrived. Yes. And completely nothing to do with the head and the helmet. No. But no. people drew the association. Yeah, yeah. So she she had not been featured on Instagram at all. Um, but then they, yeah, they, they drew that association. Oh, that's why she's not showing her. There must be something wrong with her. And I was thinking, no, she's so perfect mm. and beautiful. And and so that was really difficult. And what about friends, family, colleagues? Mm, why are you doing it? A bit of that from family and friends. Like why are you putting her through it? If it's just cosmetic, just leave it. Really? There was a bit of that. Yeah. Why, so you why have an opportunity you... mm. to turn something that's imperfect mm. into something perfect yes. non-surgically. Yes. You know, with relative ease. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We think about what the other yes. options are. Unbelievably. And you're criticised for that? Yeah. 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 Why not just leave it? She, she, especially because she's a girl and she'll have hair, long hair, or supposedly she'll grow her hair I, long. I understand yeah. you, you needn't achieve 100% symmetry mm. if you're always going to have long hair. Yes. But as you said, give a person a choice to shave their head if they want. Yes. And for guys, I, I always tell parents, if you've got a baby boy, it is slightly more important because yes. we do go bald. Yes. And we have short hair. Yes. Um, and the symmetry of her face, I would try to explain that to people. that's the thing. It, it, it was had, affecting It had look. started to affect her yeah. look. And we, had, we did correct it. We achieved a 2.3 something in, on the scale. Normal. Yeah. Mm. So and I was And you don't so regret happy. it for a second? Not for a second. Yeah. No. So the actual process of living with a helmet, you've got to change it frequently mm-hmm. as the head shape changes. Mm-hmm. How often were you replacing it? We went pretty much every four weeks and it was tweaked a little bit depending on the growth spurts. Um, but she, yeah, it wasn't too intense with appointments or anything. And before I knew it, we went to an appointment in January and they were like, wow, we've achieved this score. And she can come out of the helmet. What was that like? And I was just beyond excited. And, you know, I was like, is it going to go back? That was my my fear. Is she going to sleep on her head and can it go back? Mm. But I think, you know, they start sitting up and they're not 
lying down. Roll. Yeah, and so it's it doesn't go back. But I was still very fearful of that because we had gone to so much trouble yeah. for this beautiful round shape and I still rub her head and just be like, oh, I love it so much. Do you still check it? Yeah, yeah. I do. I do. So are you out there telling people about this, trying to reduce that stigma, that yeah. association? Well, I just, people had a lot of questions for me when she was in the helmet on social media and I always answer with plagiar carefully, mm-hmm. you know, explain it a little bit as much as I understood it or have a little Google, it's flathead. Yep. Yep. Um, and people were like, oh, and I have been contacted by a few people who said, hey, because, because we saw you. Vader, yeah. we went and got it checked out and we go into the helmet this weekend or we're two months into the helmet and we chose a little blue one or we got oh, grey nice. or, you know, <laughs> and they, they're really happy. So that, that to me, it, it's all worth it then. Now, the most non-judgmental humans on the planet are kids. Yeah. So tell me about Arnold and what was he, because this is quite confronting yeah. for a toddler. What was his take on all of this? He thought the helmet was super cool. <laughs> he probably wanted one himself. He did want one. <laughs> so we bought him one. We couldn't find, we couldn't find anything appropriate, but we found like a little army helmet and it, and it was like a little World War II helmet that he wore and he loved it. And, and he was like, I'm in a matching helmet like Vader. He wanted to be like Vader. Yeah, it gives me superpowers. And oh. yeah, so he was just, you know, four at the time. and Gorgeous. Yeah, right into it. But we we're really determined to show him that we we're proud of Vader and that everybody's different. So how did you, what, what did you do to normalize that for well, him we and for everyone? Sure like when we were having family photos, my some of my family members would be like, just take her helmet off for the photo. Take the helmet off. And I'd be like, no, I'm not taking her helmet off for the family photo. She's have she's in the helmet 24-7 and I'm proud of the helmet and she looks so cute in it. So we would keep her in the helmet for all photos and in the helmet on social media and it was – there to destigmatize it and to make sure that we were saying to the world, hey, everybody's different mm. and it's okay. It's okay to be different. We need more of that. Mm. And d- does it, um, has it changed the way you advocate for her and, and that, that concept of mother's intuition? Absolutely. Far more fierce now, mm. I think. You know, and there's been little things that have popped up with Arnold, just little things, and I've been onto it straight away. Never, never an issue or really nothing anything. Major. Nothing has really come of these things. But now that he's at school and, you know, he's learning to write and read and, you know, I'm, I'm just onto everything, mm. just making sure that he's got the right support. Yeah. Now, it's impossible to talk about Plagio Kefli and Helmets without discussing the um, debate that surrounds it. Do you know much about the controversy around helmets? No. See, this is, um, it's a really interesting topic because a child's head shape, it's malleable until the age of two. Mm -hmm. And for some kids, it's probably two and a half. So if you do come across a child, if you have a child who's got an abnormal head shape that's positional, um, you have 
up until they start rolling, so four to five months, you've got this opportunity, so the younger they are, the easier mm-hmm. it is, to reposition them in their sleep. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we try to protect parents' sleep. We don't want them waking up and moving their head, but you try to incentivize looking one way. Yes. Um, there are pillows that people use. There are sleep positioners that put the baby on a, mm-hmm. on a safe angle to encourage looking left if that's what you're trying to trying to get. There are ways of feeding, holding, so you sort of get the child, yes. you know, if you want them to look left, you hold them on your left hip and then they see the world on their left side, these kinds of things. Um, once they're rolling, potentially sleeping on their stomach, you lo- you've lost that opportunity for overnight hours of therapy. And people angst about, and you mentioned tummy time, got to do tummy time, got to do tummy mm-hmm. time, or, um, you know, while you're playing with them, have them look to their side. Yes, helpful. In the absence of torticollis, we're talking minutes of -hmm. pressure on the side you want, but I want hours. Yes. You know, you've got a baby sleeping through the night, you've got eight hours of therapy. Yeah. Okay. If the child's older than that, as Vader was, Mm -hmm. you've lost that opportunity to get hours and hours of treatment. Mm. And so then helmet become an option. But the head has, pardon the pun, a mind of its own. Mm. And Unless the child has got a condition, as my daughter did, yes, the skull wants to be symmetric. So mm. if you were to hold, if you held Vader mm. for five months, mm-hmm. held her up and never let her lie down, mm. it'd be a horrible five months <laughs> yes. for you, but that head would become symmetric. Yeah, so wow. if you take the pressure off the flat spot yeah. and leave it to do its own thing, it actually wants to correct. It wants to wow. be symmetric. That beautiful, from a bird's eye view, it's yeah. like a... Um, reverse teardrop shape, Mm -hmm. not an egg shape. And so there is a little bit of um, contention in Mm -hmm. this space about the appropriateness of helmets. Mm. And there are some people who are fiercely against them, some Mm. people who are fiercely for them. And then whenever in medicine, especially in paediatrics, I think in paediatrics more so than most areas of medicine, when you have contention, you've got different ways of doing things, emotion gets in Mm -hmm. and then guilt gets in. How, you know, how could you not helmet them? You're not giving them the best start at life. Yes. And did you get any of that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But we got more, don't helmet them because why would you put her through any sort of discomfort so little? Yeah. Um, there's no point. It's just cosmetic. So we got more that side of it. It but goes both ways. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, and and I didn't really discuss it with many people. It was more once she was in the helmet that people, and there was a few on social media saying, you know, don't helmet. Mm. Like, and I didn't really understand that until you've explained it to me. So, well, this is the, yeah. this is the, um, it's like a risk. It's a gamble that you have to take as a parent. Yeah. It's really hard because if you don't helmet, yeah, you have to trust yes. that the head will become symmetric. That's a hell of a big leap of faith for parents to do because, as you said, you wait till 18 months, 24 months, that window's gone. Mm. That head shape is fixed for life. Yes, that was my fear. And that's a very real fear. Mm. And here you've got an opportunity to actively treat. Mm -hmm. It happens much faster in a helmet Mm -hmm. and you're much closer to a guarantee, as best as you can, Mm -hmm. of getting symmetry. Mm. It's a no-brainer for a lot of people. And hearing that now, if you could go back and talk to the Tiff who just burst into tears mm. in that room mm-hmm. at Ortho Kids, told moderate, severe, mm. and 
score of nine mm. and this is what we do. Would you do anything differently? No. No. I would get myself in there earlier. I would I would have made an appointment much earlier, I yeah. think, and not worried or, you know, tossed it up and gone to see the maternal health nurse again. Yeah. And what was the time between when you first raised it to when you ultimately went there? Oh, I reckon two months. Yeah. Yeah. Because she was so little, oh, we'll just wait and see. And I'm like, how long do I wait and mm. see? So, yeah, I would have gone in earlier. But as it, as it turned out, going in at four or five months, I think it was four months, was like the perfect time. It is the perfect time. Yeah. Yeah. But so, it would have been lovely to not have that two months of torture yeah. for you. Yeah. Yeah, that would you have and been Ed. nice. Yeah. You're a mum twice over. Mm-hmm. Um, pregnancy changes your body in many, many mm-hmm. ways. Um, someone who is a fitness trainer, um, health-centric, mm-hmm. what, what was that like for you, having a certain body type um, and then... Surrendering. Surrendering. Yes, surrendering to pregnancy and hormones. Wow. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it was a joyous thing for me because I loved that. I love my children and I love being a mom and I really wanted these babies. But, um, you know, I, I did put on a lot of weight in my pregnancies and changes my body shape, lost some muscle mass and lost my strength and lost my fitness and have to build it up again. Sometimes you stand at the bottom of the fitness mountain and it's mm. it's a huge task ahead and it's overwhelming. Plus you've got a newborn and it's like, oh, I've got a newborn. I've got to get my fitness back. Um, is it going to hurt the business? Well, that's what I wanted. Yeah. This is part of your, your brand. It's your yeah. whole livelihood yeah. as well. So did you feel a pressure? Absolutely. First time around, I felt enormous pressure to bounce back. But, and that's why I said, I'm not going to bounce back. I'm going to bounce forward. I'm going Mm. to embrace the fourth trimester and recovery and bonding with my baby and not do a boot camp or a fad diet. And that was really great. But I just, I just remember feeling so, um, just overwhelmed by people asking me that question of whether you're mourning that you've lost your body. Are you, are you worried that you're never going to get it back? Uh, and social media, pe- just people, I don't know. This and with Arnold? This was with Arnold. And what did, how did you respond to it? Did you respond differently with Arnold and Vader? No. With Vader, I just said, I'm bouncing forward. And everyone sort of like got on board. Mm, and lots of term. women got on board with bouncing forward too. They're like, I've just had a baby. I'm going to do my bounce forward with you. Or I'm bounce, bouncing forward after divorce. Or I'm bouncing forward oh, after brilliant. grief. Or I'm bouncing forward after, you know, a personal setback at work. So we were all bouncing forward together, which was fantastic. And it, it was really motivating. And it felt so good and positive, you know. And with Vader, uh, I it's taken longer to get fit again, uh, much longer. Um, I think that's because I'm like five years older, and it's I put on a little bit more weight with Vader, and it was just a different pregnancy. And, and you're juggling two kids yeah, now. Yeah, you're busier, you know. And I thought it would impact the business because I didn't look like a fitness coach, but then it didn't. 
it actually made the business stronger because you look like a real person. Yeah, yeah, I look like a real person, and people are like, you know what it's like to be in a body that's put on thirty kilos, and then you're wanting to lose thirty kilos, and you know how to do that sustainably and happily. Mm. And so people were coming to me for weight loss and advice, and and we've we've done it together. So it's been it's been kind of wonderful. I, I love that concept of forward thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's not about weight loss; it's about health attainment. Gain. Yep. Yeah, not to bounce back, just to bounce forward. Um, Thank you so much, Tiff. Tell us what you're up to. Tell us what you're doing. Tell us about your podcast as well. Yes, I have a podcast. It's called Bounce Forward. So it's all about health and fitness, lots of tips. I talk to experts and there's some great stuff in there. So you can have a listen to that wherever you get your podcasts. And still going strong with TXO, just at mytxo.com. If you want to check out my programs and come get fit with me, you can. Beautiful. Fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing this story. It is so remarkably common. And, Mm. um, you know, when these kinds of topics are discussed, people are so grateful that we're talking about it, that we're normalizing it. And hopefully the next time someone sees a child with a helmet, it will be, the comment will be, what a cute color. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's gorgeous. She's rocking it. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. And to enjoy more parenting stories like this one, please like, follow, subscribe and share Dr. Golly and the Experts wherever you listen. And for any information on my sleep programs or new book, head to drgolly.com.